us some things that are going to change the direction of our life. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5, it says in verse 17, it says, But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal Perizim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. Uh, And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephraim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until uh, you come to Gezer. All right. How did David get here? How did David get here? Something about David. I mean, he grew up just like some of you young people are growing up coming to worship with us every week, and you're hearing the gospel, you're hearing the message uh, oftentimes. And, and, I, and I pray that you would challenge the Most High God on the things that you hear because he doesn't change. I know it's about to be 2023, and if Lord willing, we'll all see it together. But he still never changes. Nothing changes. And don't think anything has changed. And the way that society and your family and your friends and TikTok and all these different places are trying to tell you how to fight. That's not how we fight. Now, I'm not trying to say if somebody breaks in your house that you don't click that click and, and let that thing fire. I'm not telling you that. I'm talking about when you go out here and things are beginning to happen in your life and you don't like how it's happening from another one of your friends or sometimes you're on the job, you don't like the way that supervisor is treating you, you know that person is treating you kind of wrong or somebody cuts you off at the light and you see road rage going on here or just a lot of beef, the way that the world tries to teach us how to handle it um, is throwing hands, cussing somebody out, gossiping, tearing down their character, being facetious and nasty and all those other different things. But that's not the way that you and I do things. And if you look at David's life, even when Saul was treating him like garbage, he never, he says, I'm not going to say nothing back. I'm not going to touch God's anointing. I'm going to leave that alone. All right. And I'm going to move around and let the Lord fight my battle. So when we see David here latter in life, he finally is anointed king over Israel. And I'm telling you, the enemy hates that. The enemy hates the fact that David now is in a position to where he can bless other people. And God wants you in a position today to where you used to, it was it was about you at first. It's not about you anymore. You got children. Okay, you got other, you got brothers and sisters. There's a lot that's going around in this thing called your life and in your world and you are concerned about it. God has given you a heart for the people that are all around you. And now you're seeing things differently. You're seeing things differently. 
And, and when you're seeing things differently and God has anointed you, there's an anointing on your life and, and you want to see people make it in this thing called the world. And, and you're trying to tell people the way that he is the way and that he is the truth and that he is the life. Something's changing in your life. You're not the same no more. And you can look at some of the people that were lost along the way. Sometimes it could be marriages. Sometimes some children have, have left and went off and, and they talk about you like a dog. And, you know, God says that my people who are called by my name uh, would humble themselves and pray. Or there's another part that says turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek my face that I will heal their land. And how is the land going to be? When the enemy came against David right here, they came to take that land. They came to take his position. And there's, I'm telling you, there's a position. I was talking to somebody about it. The more I grow in the Lord, it seems like God will give me a position that no matter where I go, I can leave a company, go to another company. But that position and that rank in him will not change. It's going to be that way. When people see you come through, they're like, oh, there goes the captain right there. <laughs> you know, they go, they go, dude, right there. She go right there. That's the one we've been looking for. It just doesn't change. The more that we grow in him, and it was God that anointed David. It wasn't none of his friends or none of his friends. Matter of fact, if, when you begin to look at David's life, there was an anointing on David and his family really didn't. I know they loved him, but you ever have somebody in your family that get on your last nerves? That's what his brother said. Man, you just you get on somebody's nerves with your little foolishness all the time. I don't know what, what it's like to be around David. I know what the Lord says about David, but you can see his brother. Like you have a little brother that's like, what you get your behind on home? He ain't doing it but being fresh out here. You know, no, I'm not. Daddy sent me just to look, man, whatever. He always sneaking around doing something he got no business. That's what his brother's perception of it was. And even when Samuel came, they never invited him. We know this little bit of story. They don't invite you to the picnic. They don't invite you to the bar. They don't invite you to the family reunion. <laughs> it's kind of foul, ain't it? But David, God had handpicked David. And from that point on, the enemy, David was marked for death. And you and I, once we make a decision, and I don't care what age you are, sometimes you're young and you think that, oh, people just hating on me or this teacher just hate on me or whatever. This teacher right here gives me favor. I'm telling you, once you step over here on the Lord's side, things are very, very different. But God anoints David and David now is king over Israel. And behind the scenes, if these angels are moving, if these angels that you can't see are moving on behalf of David, then that means that there's some demons moving on behalf of the Philistines. You hear me? If you, if you see the, the host of the Lord, God's angel armies, and when you begin to go look at Elisha, where is that at again? I think it's, uh, where is that? Second Kings chapter 6. Here we get a chance to look at that tonight. Um, Elisha. Uh, the one uh, king gets so upset because he's like, who is telling my business? And they said, nah, man, the Israel got this dude called Elisha. And every time you say something, it doesn't matter whether or not you go into the bathroom or you go into a cave that nobody's in. You walk all the way to the end and make sure nobody's in there. And you begin to whisper to one of your friends something. Elisha, who was 45 miles away or in China or in the U.S. or in Japan, is telling your business. Because the angels are telling Elisha exactly what's going on. And the man got so sick of it that he sent his army. And, you know, Elisha's sitting up in the house or whatever like that. And the young man wakes up and when he opens the door up, 
the, the, the army is all around the house. And y'all have heard this many times before, the testimony of Elisha. And the young man runs back inside and says, Elisha, it's over, man. We are surrounded by the army as far as eyes can see. And Elisha steps out and he says, Lord, open the young man's eyes so that he can see what you have shown me. And when he opened that, this is crazy about what the young man tells you and I in 2 Kings chapter 6. Because there's an army out there with horses and chariots and all their modern day weapons. I wonder what it would be like today if we could see into the spirit realm. But it, the, the young man, when he looked and, and his eyes were opened, there were horses and chariots of fire. And these soldiers surrounding the army, surrounding the army. So could you imagine today with our drones and our jets and, and our nukes and all that, that the army comes and surrounds this building? And we, we say, Lord, open our eyes so we can see the opens our eyes. And literally angels got jets. <laughs> they got nuclear weapons. They got buttons ready to push. Anytime you're ready, we'll, we'll nuke them right now. The same weapons in the natural are the same weapons that these angelic beings had. They had horses. I don't know if you read this before. It was just, it was just mind blowing. I never thought about that before. It was like the Holy Spirit said, yo, check this out, Mark. They had horses too. What does an angel need a horse for? What, is it, what does an angel need a chariot for? You have to go read this stuff for yourself. Whatever they showed up with, if they had Uzis, angels had Uzis. Spiritual Uzis. Whatever they showed up with, tell me, that they had tanks, the angels are sitting in tanks. And you're looking like, why do y'all need tanks? And they're probably laughing like, well, they, you know, they, they came like that. We came like that too. We got, we got everything they got. <laughs> and more. And it was just amazing to me to think about that. So anyway, the Philistines show up, but David does something in verse 19 that he's been doing since he was a kid. He says that he inquired of the Lord and he says, Father, should we go out to fight? And the Lord says, don't you doubt in your heart nothing. It's the same thing that Yahashua or the Gentiles called Jesus in the New Testament when he said he turned around to the man that came to him about his daughter. And he said, and don't you stop believing. That's what he told the man. He said, he'll look at you. Ever look at one of your friends. Don't you get scary. Don't you act like no punk out here. We going down here. We going to get you a tricycle. <laughs> your tricycle on Fifth Street. You got to walk through everybody to get the tricycle. You see the tricycle, but y'all got to go. Don't, I don't need you to get scared. We're going to have to get this tricycle. We coming back. All right. But he told him, he said, don't be doubtless. Don't, don't put no fear in your heart. He said, go out there and do what I tell you to do. So David and them begin to go forward. And David testifies to you and I. He says here in verse 20, it said, the Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of waters. It was like the dam busted. He was going out there. You go to run across the field to attack this people, you and your crew. But it, all of a sudden, all the army 
it looked like water hit him. And you haven't thrown a blow. You haven't even got close yet. You're just running across. the. When we kick off on the football field, listen, before we get to the 50-yard line to begin to break through the blockers to get to the running back, all of them are scattered all over the field as if water came out of nowhere and took them all out. David is trying to describe to you something that happened uh, in his life. Let's go back to, let's make sure we go back to uh, 1 Samuel. It's getting warmer here now. I feel like we got the kerosene heater on. <laughs> Some of y'all were here last week. We got lit. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, Beginning at verse 33, Saul is talking to David. And he said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are just a youth. This is the testimony of Saul. You're just a kid. You, you just, you're just a little kid. David wasn't even able to fit the uniform of a soldier. He said, you're just a, a, a youth. And this man... Man, he's been fighting, he's been boxing, he's been in golden gloves and all these other different things since he was like eight years old. And David says to Saul this thing here. He says, your servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And he says, and I went after him and smote him and delivered out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So you mean to tell me what David is trying to tell you is that the lion and the bear was doing something they had no business doing. And when he fought against the lion and the bear, he is trying to tell you that the angels were the ones that are really fighting. Because as long as something, if somebody is out of line, he's trying to tell you that the lion and the bear had no business taking the lambs. They were out of line. They were someplace they, need, they didn't need to be and they were doing something that God had ordained for them not to do, but they showed up anyway and took that little lamb. And I know you're listening to David, but you're probably missing the part where he says that he says, look, he said, the lion came, I grabbed him by his beard and I slayed him right there. But he tells you the answer is because he defied the armies of the living God. That's what the Lord taught David when David was just a young man. It's not by strength nor by might, but it's always going to be by my spirit. He taught David that when he was just a young man. Saul was telling him, he said, AJ, you're only 13, 14 years old. You don't know nothing about war. No, I don't know anything about war, but I know something about prayer. And I used to watch my father's sheep. And my, 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 my job was not to lose one. Didn't Jesus say that? Mm -hmm. 
He said, all that the father has given me, I haven't lost one. That was my assignment for my father. Don't you lose none of them sheep. Don't be out there playing and being down there swimming in the creek or in the water hole and not watching the sheep. As long as you're there, ain't nothing going to show up. So David had an assignment. And David did not lose one. It says here in verse 37, the Lord, he tells you, remember we're talking about glorify, what is it to glorify God? When you tell the testimony, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Well, Saul said unto David, let the Lord be with you because I ain't going. <laughs> you ever tell somebody that? I ain't going with you. Well, you better go on with it. Who ain't going? It's me. <laughs> go on down there and do what you do, Pimpin. I ain't got time for all that. Okay? And so, oh my goodness, man. But anyway, the next, the next, uh, when you start to look at the conversation between Goliath and David, cracks me up. Because Goliath is going to tell you what his perception of David is. And sometimes the people that are dealing with you the wrong way, whether it's a lion or a bear or whether it's a supervisor or a teacher or another uh, one of your classmates or somebody in your family, they're looking at you. And when they look at you, they don't see you. Let me tell you what they see. Let me tell you what this Philistine. Saul, when Saul looked at David, he saw a little kid. That's what he saw. He saw a little kid. He's like, this little kid right here. I was watching uh, an episode this morning. You know, I'm chilling and relaxing. And this little episode comes on. It talks, they're talking to LeBron James. And the guy asked me, he said, when was the first time you saw Michael Jordan? And he starts to describe the first time that he ever sees Michael Jordan. He says, I'm 16 years old. Somebody invited me to go to Chicago. So I go to Chicago. And we go to this gym called Hoops. And it's a famous place where the, all the pros go and they play basketball when there's an off season. You can get a really good run in there. You're going to run into a lot of great professional athletes. Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Corvettes, the Bentleys are all sitting out there in the parking lot. And LeBron and his boy go up in there, Maverick, and they're like, man, we was in the Hoops joint. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, you in there like, man, this is the ballers being him. MJ be in this gym. And this one dude says, yo, Bron, come on, man. And they take him upstairs and he goes into this weight room and he runs into Oakley. And Charles Oakley was a famous New York Nick. And Oakley is talking to them like, yo, man, what's up, baby? He's like, hey, man, thanks for inviting us, man. I'm here. Imagine you're 16 years old. You're talking to Charles Oakley. LeBron says when Charles Oakley moved out the way, I said, Michael Jordan is sitting there on the bench getting it in. And he said, I saw Michael Jordan on this bench, lifting weights. And then Michael Jordan, when he finishes his set, he sits up and he says, hey, young fella, how you doing? He said, it wasn't real to me. He said, but I never forgot that moment. He said, I saw the greatest of all time, what he was doing behind the scenes. And I'm watching this and I'm cracking up because LeBron is like, yo, I'm talking to Michael Jordan. And he said, it wasn't even real. And Maverick Carter said, I can't even remember to tell you what was going on because he said, I was just in shock because I'm sitting there with the greatest of all time. LeBron is 16 years old. Nobody in the country knows who he is. 
But Michael Jordan knew who he was. He said, young fella, he started talking to LeBron about when LeBron was going to become a man and be older. And when he was in the league, Michael was talking to him like he was already a professional. He didn't look at him like Saul looked at him. He said, hey, man, will you get in this league? You see what I'm doing? If you want to stay in this league and be on top of your game, you got to do things that nobody else sees. You young people, listen, I know sometimes the older people are not praying. I understand that. But that can't be your testimony because you're going to have to break through some things that they can't break through because they don't want to put the time and effort in. There's a lot of professionals that weren't at that gym and they didn't want to put time in. They didn't really want to be great. They just made it to church. And they were like, oh, because I made it to church, I'll be okay. That's not it. You want to be able to change. Listen, these athletes talk about once I made it to the pros and they cut me that check and I'm getting 30 million a year, it changes my family. But what happens if you have a life with the most high God? Won't that change your family even more? LeBron is talking to his legend at 16. And then he says, man, I go down and I'm watching MJ play. And he said, I never thought that I'd be in the game. David never thought that the things that he heard about as a young man, that he would literally be out there with sheep praying and then have an encounter with a lion and with the bear. And I guarantee you in that gym, Ron Artest is another NBA legend. And he's telling the people about what he saw with LeBron James at 16 years old. He said, here's this young guy, 16 years old. And Michael Jordan says, come on in, young fella, because, you know, the older guys will run two games and get tired. You know, they're like, whatever. And LeBron was like, oh, my goodness, I'm on the court with MJ. So not only are you talking with this legend, this person that that's on your wall as a poster that you never thought in your life you would even talk to. But now you're on the court with him and you're playing. And Ron Artest said that he wasn't shy. Like LeBron started the ball like he was supposed to be there. Ron said, man, he came down the lane. He was just doing everybody at 16 years old. LeBron James, MJ is sitting there like, get it, young fella. Because MJ was talking to somebody else and said, is this the one? And the guy said, that's the one right there. He said, cool, that's the one. Because somebody has to step up. Who in the family is going to step up? You can look at the mentors that you have. They ain't getting it in like they're supposed to. You got to get it in. You can change it. They're not going to change. They're going to still keep sipping, still keep drinking, still keep smoking, still keep doing what they do and talking a good game, but they ain't going to change it. But you can change it. You have the ability that you have the same ability they have to call on the most high God. They're not going to call on him. But I'm challenging you this morning that you begin to call on him like David called on him. You begin to, you go to the courts like LeBron did and have Michael Jordan say, come on, young fella, get in this game with me and feel what it's like to fight a lion or a bear. Do you hear what I'm saying? Feel what it's like. To call on the name of the Lord and see God's angel army show up and begin to fight for you. you got to experience that because once you experience it, it'll change your life forever. Like Zachariah, he was 70-something, maybe 80-something years old when he got a chance to experience what it's like to be in the presence of one of God's warriors, an angel. And that angel 
was not playing with him. I'm coming to give you a message. He had to do something for Zechariah that day because remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, how be it? How can this happen? She doubted too. But he gave her a pass and said, go check out Elizabeth. But Zechariah, he said, nah, your mouth is going to be shut. I'm going to shut your mouth until this thing happens. After this thing happens, I'm going to lose it. So LeBron is balling on the court. And these other guys are looking at this 16-year-old kid dunking on people making $20 million a year. And you're sitting there thinking that you have nothing. No, none of us in this room has power. But the Most High God has power. And David begins to talk to Goliath. It says here in verse 42 of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Or He was like, are you serious right now? For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And this is what the Philistines saw when LeBron James walked on the basketball court. He said, and the Philistines said unto David, am I a dog? Is this Pop Warner? Do y'all think this is high school? <laughs> what y'all think this is? Michael, this is your little cousin. What, 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 what you doing? <laughs> Thou comest to me with staves, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword? And with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of, uh, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite thee and take the head off from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's real talk. Yeah, that's, that's when the talk gets real right there. LeBron took some heads off, didn't he? David was so confident because of what he saw with the lion and the bear. He was so confident about what God could do because when nobody else was around and it was just David and the sheep, and David had his little assignment that God, I don't want to say did a miracle, but taught David how to fight. It, 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 it increased his faith to the point where he realized that every battle that he was facing, it belonged to the Lord. He just knew physically he was not able to beat that bear. He just knew physically that he wasn't able to beat that lion. The bear and the lion, if they could talk, they sounded just like Goliath. <laughs> what, is, what am I, a kitty cat or something like that? What is, who am I, Morris the cat? Did you said to this little boy out here with some stones at me? Boy, I am a lion. The bear came out and said, boy, have you ever seen a grizzly bear stand on its back feet? <laughs> you only like five foot five. Boy, I'm about eight feet tall. I'm as strong as... As any, I'm as strong as 20 men. I will rip you apart. But David said that the bear never saw the angels. The lion never saw the angels. The Philistines that David is about to fight over here in 2 Samuel 
uh, chapter 5. Never saw the angels. David is trying to tell you what he saw. Okay, and what you and I need to see. Listen, when the church is praying over in the book of Acts in chapter 12, they never saw an angel. Peter is trying to tell us what he saw. He said, man, I was sitting there asleep. Next thing I know, I felt somebody hit me on my side. I thought it was one of them. I said, I thought I was sleeping too long. Maybe it was the morning. That's about, I'm about to die. And he said, I thought I was having a dream or it was just a vision. But this angel says, get your shoes on, get your coat on, get your stuff together. And he is like, am I dreaming? The angel said, get up, put your shoes on and get your stuff together. And Peter gets up and when he stands up, the chains just fall off. And he said, the angel said, come on. And he said, he led him all the way out. And it said, even the gates that were locked, these ain't the gates that we put up nowadays that got plastic locks. Everything made out of plastic. This is them old iron back in the day, you know? Listen, them things opened up automatically. And he said, next thing I know, I was walking. He said, I felt like I was dreaming. And then all of a sudden, the dream ended, and I'm outside, and I'm walking in the road. And when he came to the house and the little girl heard his voice, the little girl ran inside to the people that were praying and said, Peter is at the door. They said, you must be on that dope. That's literally when you read it. They said, you are mad. You are out of it. You are crazy. Peter is not there. But she kept pressing him. And when they went to open the gate up, they saw Peter there. Peter said, shh, because imagine they wanted to shout, throw their hands up and begin to glorify God right there. They didn't understand how powerful their prayer was. And God had to do something in their life because if God did it for Peter, then God could do it for mama. Hey, you know, you know what it is? After God does something in your life, you begin to say, you know what? That means that everybody can be free. And you start thinking about your uncle. You start thinking about grandma. You start thinking about your sister that's lost. You start thinking about your brother that's hooked on drugs. You start thinking about the things in your life that you want to try to get rid of and you can't. And you begin to pray differently because you're praying to the God of angel armies. Getting to the end of this chapter right here. It says the Philistines come back for some more. And it says here that the Philistines came up yet again in verse 22 of 2 Samuel chapter 5 and spread themselves in the valley. And David does the same thing that he always does. He begins to pray to the Lord. He said, thou shalt not go up. He says this time, David, I don't want you to go up. I don't want you to do what you did last time. This is the Lord directing you now. When you pray, remember, Jacob said it's like a ladder. Angels ascending and descending. So this angel descends and David in his heart can hear the Lord tell him, don't go out like you did last time. He says, let it be. He says, uh, come, uh, fetch a compass behind them or I want you to sneak around behind them. I want you to send half the army and I want you all to go around all the way around behind them. And when I see that you're behind them, then he says here, let it be when you hear the sound of a going in the top of the mulberry trees. When you hear the footsteps like it sounds like soldiers. You ever been somewhere or you guys have seen on TV when soldiers march, how it sounds mm -hmm. to hear the footsteps? He says, when you hear like, are those soldiers on top of those trees? He says, when you hear that, he says, 
bestir thyself, get up and go, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until they come to Gezer. I'm telling you today, he hasn't changed. And I don't know what you're fighting. Sometimes we're fighting things within ourselves. Sometimes we want to go up against these demons that are over our family, trying to bring all the alcohol, the drugs, the sexual immorality, the same sex sex, the, the not honoring thy father and mother, covetousness, trusting in money. All these things that the Lord is like, don't do that because the Philistines left their little idols. When they were running, they dropped their idols. <laughs> they dropped all the, th- all the anger, all the hatred, all the malice. They were dropping all these different idols and all these different things that they used to overcome their enemies. But God is like, I'm all you need. And listen, you know, when you're fighting against people and you're praying for them, Calling upon the name of the Lord, Genesis 4 and 26, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved. When you begin to call upon the name of the Lord and you begin to do it the way that Yahashua talks about it or the Gentiles call Jesus in the New Testament, he said, pray for your enemies. He said, love your enemies. When we start to look at 2 Kings, when Elisha uh, told the young man or asked or prayed and asked the Lord to open the young man's eyes so he could see. And the young man said, oh, my goodness, there's horses and chariots. What is that? Turn over to Second Kings chapter six. I read it sometimes just to encourage myself. It says here, and if you make it there and if you don't, don't worry about it. Listen to this verse 16. And he answered, fear not. Matthew, let's go to 15 or 14. Therefore sent he horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. They came to the city. This is the, uh, the, the Syrian king. He sends his army, and they came with chariots and horses. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and came forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? We done now. And he said, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed. You hear this? He prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. He saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Why do angels need horses? And why do they need chariots? Does that make any sense to you? Well, is that like a little glimpse in the glory? Like maybe Repo might make it. <laughs> I'll be in glory and I just see Repo running. I'm like, Repo, what's up, baby? It's your boy, it's daddy. It might happen, you know? I might have a mansion and Repo be with me, Chris. And I got a couple of eagles flying around. It'll just be like, hey, I don't need nothing else out of that. <laughs> I don't need nothing else out of that, baby. It's real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. And, it, and, and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and, uh, and said, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. It was almost like Elisha, the Lord said, look, I'm going I'm to put them in your hand. He said, well, you know what? Make them all blind. He begins to speak now, says, make them all blind. And all these, uh, the enemy was all blind. And he said, hey, y'all, you're at the wrong city. I got you. 
follow me. And he takes them and delivers them uh, to his king. But when you begin to look at your life today, I want you to look at it differently from now on, the same way we were talking about in Sunday school, how Zachariah began to look at his life totally different after that. Uh, Elizabeth, his wife, looked at life totally different after that. Mary, the mother of Yahashua, the Gentiles called Jesus, after sitting there with Gabriel, the angel, lived her life totally different because after you have an experience with the Lord of hosts, your life will never be the, cha- be the same. And, it's, and, it, and I don't know, it's something that you have to pray about, something I have to pray about, because we have to call upon the name of the Lord. He says, you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. And I, I challenge you, if, if, if you got somebody that, that, that you live with or something like that, come together like the church did and begin to pray to, you know, pray. Pray for your family. Pray consistently. We've been praying, like I tell you, man, it's going to be two years pretty soon in January. We've been praying nonstop. We pray every day. I don't care if it's if the world is celebrating Christmas or Fourth of July, I don't care what they do. I don't care where I'm at. I could be in a meeting. I look at my boss. He says he looks at his why. He knows it's nine o'clock. He knows I'm going to prayer. Just like Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day. They knew where he was going. He looked at the dude and dude be like, "Go ahead, Daniel. I know what you do." And that's how we should be. We got to go pray because we're sinners. We're just saved by grace. And oftentimes, man, how are we going to beat these demons that are in us and in our family? So many things like we talked about last week about Eli, his sons were they served Satan. How can that happen when you are a prophet and your children reject the most high God? It happens in families. But what if we are praying? What if you and I have made a decision to pray and, and, the, and our heavenly father says, you know what? I'm going to save your little cousin. I'm going to save your sister. I'm going to save your brother. I'm going to turn. If Rahab was selling herself in Jericho, do you hear what I'm saying? She was selling herself in Jericho. I don't know why she was selling herself, but a lot of things happen to our sisters. As men, we're supposed to be there to protect them and not use them. And things happen to our sisters, happen to the women in our families. But our Heavenly Father is able to turn that around. He's able to turn everything around. And listen, and when He cleans us up, we are so clean. We are so clean. Brothers, there's things that we have been through. God wants to turn it around in our lives. He wants to make us so clean. Won't he make you clean? Yes, he will. Inside, not outside. You can, you can take a shower all you want to. It can't erase the memories. But in one day, in one moment, God will make you forget those things that try to hold you mentally and spiritually Right there, like you were in Egypt and Pharaoh's like, you'll never go because I'll never let the memories go. I'll never let the pain go. I'm going to hold you right there. Even though physically that person doesn't have to go back to that street again, go back to that relationship again. Do those physically, you're free. But spiritually, you're not free. And I'm telling you right now, it does take those of us that make a decision to say, Father, I want to be free and spend that time with the Lord. Like David, when he went down the hole or he went to the bottom of that place, if you want to call it the basement or a place where you could shut yourself in, Yahashua talks about that to the people. He says, don't be like the hypocrites going out here into the street. He says, go into your prayer closet and begin to pray about the things that are going on in your family and your life. Peter said, cast all your cares. 
He didn't say leave some back. He says empty everything at the Lord's feet. Empty it all. That's God's job. And know that the angels are going to go fight. And when the Lord tells you to do X, Y, and Z, do it. It may seem silly. Like when I hear the sound of soldiers on top of the mulberry trees, like they're marching, then go out. But he taught David as a young man, teach my hands to war. But our hands are not going to war like those in the world. Our hands are lifted up. We praise. We worship our God. We do it the way that he tells us to do it. And I'm telling you, the Lord will bring us out of everything, out of it all. He'll turn it all around. He'll heal our land. Things that we thought would never, ever come back around. Our Heavenly Father will bring it back around. Those that come to God must first believe that He is God. And He's a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him. Let it be done according to your faith. Wherever your faith is at, man, let God move, show up, and show out. Amen? That's all I got. Anybody else got anything on their heart today?